It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. It's yet another week of social distancing and self-violation. Self-violation. I'm making up words now. I mean, I'm sure there's like... Lots of masturbation happening these days. Oh, so. oh, you mean self-violation? I would not mean <laughs> self-violation. Self-isolation is the word that's supposed <laughs> to come out. Um, hey, <laughs> you know what? The only violating that you should be doing is to yourself. <laughs> Give yourself consent first, though. <laughs> can I do this? Yes, I can. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> of course, I'm VA. I'm here with Jeff. Yep. And Tim. Hello. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like last week was a really rough week. I don't understand why, but everybody was having a rough week. I, I, I definitely um, uh, crossed a tipping point sometime this week. Really? In terms of just like the... the <sighs> hopeless ineffectiveness about working with working at home and stuff like the first couple of weeks I did well and it's been a steady downhill and this week was bad. Yeah. I mean, there are the normal distractions, but it's also just like, it feels, I th- I have a feeling like working from home feels a little bit empty. Like it's definitely not as like, I guess fulfilling as it is to go into a place where you work, but you have to do this at home. And it also violates the home slash work structure that that most of us have like you know nobody likes working from home necessarily you want to keep work at work and home at home and we have to violate that right now so Mm -hmm. yeah my husband's having a hard time working from home especially when the the vpn goes down because we had a storm this week we were able to record during the storm but remember that we had a, a power blip that happened And uh, what happened was near his office, uh, a tree went down and took down wires. Uh, He was out of of the ability to actually work from home and do anything remotely because of that issue for a couple of days. So much fun. So much fun. Oh, and we got snow again. Because, you know. I mean, as we said when we discussed this the other day, it's it's April in New England. What the fuck are y'all expecting? Yeah, well... To be fair, you're not expecting this. Like, it wasn't this week, but last week when we got a foot of snow, and I was just like, really? Like, the worst storm that we get is, like, April 14th, or whatever day it was. It was, like, April something. And I was just like, this is bullshit. I mean, that's more of a condemnation of the actual winter than it is of the spring, to be perfectly frank, Tim. But yeah, I get you. I mean, to be fair, like yesterday, I was doing much yard work. I'm in the garage putting together a wheelbarrow so I can be hauling dirt from the driveway to the flower to, to, to the the the, the, the um, raised gar- garden bed. It starts fucking snowing while I'm putting the wheelbarrow together. I'm like, no, fuck this. I haven't actually done any work yet. Not cool. It stopped, which was <laughs> thankfully, but it did start again until after I, you know, finished after I finished for the day. But yeah, I mean, look, winter. You had your chance to be winter all winter. You know. And just because you failed to capitalize it, I'm on it. But on the other end, here's the thing. If we're all stuck inside, who fucking cares if it's doing winter things now? <laughs> on the flip side, though, I would argue that because we're inside and stuck, it would be nice to see sun just to have, like, something to, like, be cheerful about. I go 
for walks and I keep a very healthy distance away from people, you know, and I, I really enjoy going for a walk and I wear my masks. So not all of them at the same time, because it's hard enough breathing in one of those masks when you're like walking at a good clip. I cannot imagine running with a mask on. And your face just gets all sorts of moist. Well, I hear you. When I went to the grocery store last Tuesday, I tried wearing a buff pulled up over my face, and that was, like, very uncomfortable. Mind you, I haven't also trimmed my beard in some weeks, but that may have been a factor. (laughs) When I was making a mask for Glenn, he actually had to trim his beard to be able to get the mask to fit. So I've since been making larger masks because people have larger faces. And huge honking noses. And I, I fall, solved that problem, too. Because in my masks, I'm putting... Are you, are you building in nose pockets? <laughs> I'm using pipe cleaners. Um. So they bend. And they, you can rebend them. And all sorts of stuff. So I have to make it... Basically, when I... I'm going to pull out a fabric here. I have to build a pocket... I have to fold it over an inch and I build a pocket by sewing a quarter of an inch on either side. And then, so it's kind of like a curtain pocket, like a rod pocket. And then you just slide the, uh, the, uh, well, they're not called pipe cleaners anymore. They're called chenille stems, chenille stems. I slide the chenille stem into the rod pocket sounds very sexual it's not i was gonna say that's that's some fucking porn right there <laughs> oh baby i mean rod pocket really well it might not be the, <laughs> the um it might not be the the technical term but it, you know it's like you have a curtain and you slide a curtain rod through it it's a rod pocket i'm, I'm aware of what you're saying but this just like you you you, you there are so many Oh, should um, I should synonyms I... for that that are synonyms that are decidedly less um vaginal than that? <laughs> <laughs> I never once thought of this as a vaginal thing, but now I am going to think about that every time. <laughs> Jim, chime in here. Rod pocket, very vaginal, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would I would assume that you were a dude bro in a frat talking about like please please hit me with your disco stick right in my rod pocket <laughs> like dude <laughs> this girl and I oh, we did it and man her rod pocket <laughs> bro 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 <laughs> oh my god alright so <laughs> That's mask discussion, and <laughs> I'm just saying that I found a way to engineer this a little bit better to fit different types of faces. Unfortunately, dudes have to kind of shave down their their beards a little bit. Oh my God, could you imagine trying to make a mask for like Brent Beard, uh, Brent Beard, Brent Burns, or Joe Thornton? You're better off wearing a neck warmer at that point. I can't even think of saying his name is Brent Burns because all I say is beard. Brent Beard. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing about that. So N95 masks, um, any person you see wearing them on the street is not doing them any good because they have to be fitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Julie's gone through several because when they changed suppliers, they had to get refitted again. And I know people that like have facial hair that were going on like they, they were going to do uh, work on underground and mine sites, and some mines require dust masks all the time. Others don't. Depends on 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 the, on the nature of the mine. And so I had friends who are really grumpy who were going to a mine for like one visit, had to shave their beards because there was no such thing as fitting an N95 with facial hair unless it was just a mustache. That's ah. why so firefighters have mustaches, by the way, because they can't have full beards. Ah, I didn't notice th- and know that. Yeah. I think we should be talking about some other stuff, probably. Right. Now, now I can't. Now I'm thinking of hot pockets. The, that theme, in, but instead of hot pockets, rod pockets. Rod pocket. <laughs> <laughs> pornographic. This is basically pornographic Jim Gaffigan, huh, Tim? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say every time I think of hot pockets, I think of Jim Gaffigan. I don't even know if I've ever had a hot pocket. I don't think I've ever had a branded Hot Pocket. I've had plenty of off-brand Hot Pockets and lots of microwave burritos, which are basically poor man's Hot Pockets. <laughs> right. But I just love how he's like, Hot Pocket. <laughs> hot Pocket. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we were talking about TV shows and stuff like that last week. I forgot to tell you, I've been watching Devs on Hulu. Well, I mean, it's it's by the guy who made Ex Machina, the uh, the okay. creepy movie from a few years ago. I like his like his like cyber dystopian, you know, things go wrong because we should use technology in the right ways, not the wrong ways, kind of things. Very Philip K. Dick approach to life, yes. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I I love these things because they're creepy and there's you know there's they're mysterious and all that stuff and. Uh, if you like killing, there's a fair amount of killing. Um, <laughs> but anyway. I'm a big fan of killing things. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really what I'm here for. Nick Offerman plays uh, like a, a tech entrepreneur um, who is mourning the death of his daughter. And he has created um, a division within his company to create a very specific thing that is highly disturbing. Okay? I can't tell you. You'd have to see it. And I don't know if there's ways to see it in Canada that's not Hulu. So it's on FX. Well, it's FX on Hulu. They, so so now FX is doing specific things that they're putting on Hulu, not on their actual networks, which is interesting. Um, and they're releasing them week by week. So I've been watching that, um, and that is creepy. Also, I want to point out, this came up again last night, McMillions. If you see McMillions, that was such a good docu-series about the McDonald's Monopoly game and the scandal and, uh, well, the people stealing from that. So that was really good. People, wasn't it like one guy handing winning winning stickers to his family members? Well, (laughs) it's a little more involved than that. A little bit more. Um, uh, Yeah, there, there are multiple people involved. There are people who you actually feel... Uh, empathy for because they they were they got involved in this not really knowing how bad it would be they were not winners by any means um so it was really it was really fascinating it was very well done guess who one of the producers on that was mark Wahlberg. no kidding i told you 
He's not as dumb as you think. I mean, like, I'm always, like, inclined to lean towards he is as dumb as you think because, um, you know, um, Entourage was his fault. Hey, the first, like, couple seasons were okay. I mean, until you realized it, like, they were all awful people, but not in a wholesome, awful way like the cast of Friends. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is responsible for Entourage. But if you stop and think about the drama, is that Johnny drama is in fact Donnie Wahlberg, then that just becomes funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, I'm just saying that he produced that, and I think that's uh, another fascinating turn in in the life of Mark Wahlberg. There were other things. I gave really boring responses last week. I needed to have a rebuttal to say that I I watch interesting things. And for some reason, I have not finished season two of Killing Eve yet. And I need to go on so I can do season three of Killing Eve. You know, and of course, I'm watching the latest season of Better Call Saul and Dispatches from Elsewhere, which I find really, really good and fascinating. So that's that Jason Segel show. That he wrote based on a video, not a video game, like a, a a virtual game that went on in San Francisco a few years back. You know, th- there are people who are players in a game, and then uh, it that's not what the show's really about. Um, so anyway, and when one of the really fascinating things about that show is they have a uh, one of the characters is trans, um, and she did not expect to be like a love interest in a story in, in a in a television drama of any kind and that is exactly what she is so it's great so anyway just wanted to say i'm a little more interesting than i sounded last week i don't know why i need to prove that to anybody else i needed to prove it to myself that's what it is but ostensibly we should be talking about hockey things i guess there's so much content out there right now (laughs) yeah that's the thing like you can only say so much about with any with no actual games going on well nesson's been showing the 2011 cup run uh, but they a couple nights ago they had andrew ferentz uh take over the twitter you know watch where the bruin and he proved again that he is the most social media savvy of the bruins players past and present because every time there was a goal and there were eight goals in that game because i think that was game three Yes, because uh, games three and four just uh, got out of hand for for, for the Nucks there. <laughs> Zettenberg tweeted on the game four. So it was Ferentz on game three. Every time there was a goal, he would have his little goal light, right? Mm-hmm. And then he would like take out another piece of the memorabilia. So he scored the first goal in that game. So he took his his puck out, uh, that, that goal puck. He had that. Uh, ready so it was like he was he was ready and prepared to entertain the masses so good on him Andrew Ference, very entertaining social media follow very engaging and, and then the next night there was Zeidenberg and he said get this he's like I just found out you know with the cup replay that I uh, I can get Nesson from my house in New York hmm. there you go so he's like I've been watching all along it's been fun He's like, but he said he's very critical of himself and his play. That's why he doesn't like to watch old games that he's in. Which is funny because um, that playoff run was um, unambiguously the best hockey of Seidenberg's career by a very large margin, too. 
And that's not knocking the rest of his career. It's like he was that good. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Mm. So you think he would want to watch the unambiguous best hockey of his career. <laughs> well, he actually had good comments about like, oh, I didn't realize I did that there or something. And it's like, it was it was good. But I think it's really hard to look at stuff that you do and not and be right kind of like in the middle, like neutral about it. You should be proud of the things that you do well. You should take a lesson from the things that you don't do well, right? That's how we should be. But we shouldn't be like... You know, you shouldn't be overly proud of something that was not all that big. And you shouldn't be so hard on yourself for uh, for mistakes. Right. So it's it can be really hard to, to look at yourself with like a a kind eye, I guess we'll say uh, at times and, you know, making sure you get the proper credit that's due. So so anyway, so that happened this week. Uh, also this week. And there were a series of different Zoom calls by players, and we've learned that a majority of NHL players have gotten Peloton bikes. No, because, well, they can afford a $2,600 plus subscription exercise equipment. <laughs> That's true, but they've also been forced into it because they have to self-isolate, remember. Well, I was going to say, there's not even those of them that have gaping mansions that they could put, you know, um, skate treadmills in and stuff in. They're not most of them haven't uh, presumably haven't done anything of the sort. I'm sure a lot of them wish they had now, but <laughs> yeah. So um, Charlie Coyle's gotten one. Other NHL players have gotten that, uh, you know. And now, you know, of course, there's that joke about the oh, the Peloton bike doesn't seem like a bad gift now, huh? <laughs> I mean, again, I don't really understand the need to spend that much on a stationary bike when there's $150 models that you can, and then you can just watch YouTube for the video parts of it, for fuck's sakes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. But still, that's that seems to be the fitness craze uh, among those guys. And they're mostly doing it because they they need to build up that stamina. Well, and there's one of the things like on that that uh, season ticket holder Zoom call with with Marshawn. One of the things he was saying is like the hockey's going to be bad when we come back, and people are going to hurt themselves a lot. <laughs> so it's just funny because everyone's been talking about like, oh, when it comes back, it'll make the playoffs interesting because everyone will go in healthy. It's like for game for game one of the first round, because <laughs> guys that are guys that are out of shape skating on bad ice is going to be a nasty result. It's going to be like watching beer leaguers. <laughs> Not quite, but like... Oh, I don't want to think about that. But, yeah. I mean, they've they got to have like a training camp. they got to have a training camp where they come back, obviously. But a mini camp, it's going to be less than a week, right? They don't, they're not going to have the time to commit to what they actually need. <laughs> well, yeah. And normally, guys go into camp having been skating for about a month, unless they're Tuca. <laughs> Wasn't there something about him based like last summer basically didn't skate until camp because and that was that was a strategic move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he didn't he didn't really do anything at all. You know, he's like, Yep. Got on the ice when I got back to camp. One other thing we should say about Brad, he doesn't chirp Bergie because Bergie is the hand that feeds him. So he's not gonna chirp him. But he hasn't been doing that much chirping lately. Because too many microphones, he says. So, uh, presumably, um, his chirps are extremely non-family friendly. <laughs> you mean not as family friendly as 
I'll let you pick the hand I beat the fuck out of you with, a la Sean Thornton. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, things can be considerably less family friendly than that, so like that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> That's super family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's more a condemnation of how bad things some of these chairs probably are. Because remember, most hockey players are, are fundamentally, on account of being pro athletes, the dudest of bros because they're also all white. And let's face it, jock plus white means the dudest of dude bros. So anyone that's hung out with white dudes I gets I gets a feeling for some of the shit that they're saying to one another when they do chirp. <laughs> it ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> letting someone pick the hand that they're going to beat the fuck out of you with is a very boston friendly thing <laughs> i mean ultimately it's, it's it's a very polite approach to violence which was you know by and large thornton's thing apart from the whole orpic scenario but uh you know i have put the whole orpic thing out of my head so much that you had to go into pretty good detail before I could recall it from my memory. That's how much I just wanted to repress that. Such a fuck, that was such a fucky game. <laughs> it was. It was uh, not not our proudest moments. Well, I'm, honestly, I think that, that that game is patient zero for the impending fall of the Bruins, to be completely frank. Because it was, what, it was what ruined one of the few good returns on the Sagan trade. It um, uh, triggered the collapse of the, uh, of the Sean Thornton mythos, which culminated in his uselessness against the Habs in the playoffs that year. <laughs> it was, that, it, it's, that, ga that, that game single-handedly broke the, the post-2011 Bruins. I, I believe this wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, God, I, I don't like to think back on that, that year at all. Man, it's been some, not some super rough years, but just some lean years yeah, in the last few years. So that's why it makes... This year, sad. Very, very sad, because the Bruins have been pretty consistently awesome all year. And again, we didn't even get enough games to see those trades work out. And I think at least one of them, maybe not the Richie one, but like, they they all made sense. And I wanted to see it play out, and we didn't get to do that. Thank God they're not rentals. <laughs> yeah, I really think that he wanted to get something that he could at least work another year with, just a la Charlie Coyle. Uh, last you know, season. it's interesting though to think about it. Is Sweeney's not the only player that took, not the only GM that took that approach at the deadline. Uh, Brisbois in uh, in Tampa did the same thing, right? His acquisitions, with the exception of like, you know, there's the what, but he, oh, oh, he, the signing of Bogosian doesn't count. But uh, you know, also to traded for both players. He traded for his big trades were both for guys with term. Hmm. Um, now, mind you, in their case, they're both UFAs at the end of their contract rather than um, rather than RFAs, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the case of Coleman and uh, Goodrow, law firm. <laughs> yeah, both are UFAs. But, you know, the similar thing. A lot of them talked about, it's like, well, you know, cap uncertainty and players are maybe getting a little bullish on this. And they both have cap things. But it's like, no, I wonder, considering when the deadline was. But if the possibility of league shutdown was already being quietly discussed in parts of the league, and so yes, and so as a result, you saw some some GMs plan around it. Remember, it's only like three weeks before the league shut down. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking out of my ass here, but that's just sort of what, I'm, what I. Uh, what you've put together. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I mean, it could be something. I mean, uh, I hope somebody was paying attention to the whole viral situation. Mm-hmm. So. 
Some people were. Some people weren't. Speaking of which, I guess there was some cap-related talk this week. Okay. Andy Strickland? He mostly, what's he usually report on? He's a, is he a blues guy? Yes, he's a blues ringside or something with yeah. FX, uh, with Fox Sports down there, yes. Yeah, reported that he'd gotten a call, that he'd heard from a player or a, or, or, or a player manager, I couldn't remember which, like an agent, that the players had been on a call with the, with the NHLPA that basically being told that it would be a flat cap next year. At, so another year of $81.5 million. Now, keep in mind, this also came with LeBron sort of slapping that down as being not official yet, as well as the NHLPA. I'm guessing it's actually almost certainly true, just not official, which sort of makes it weird that the degree of the slap down between NHLPA, but anyway. Because I don't think anyone wants to see the cap go down because it'll be a catastrophe. So I'm assuming that, that's what, that flats the likely scenario. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that it will be 81.5. I know that I, I pointed out Le, LeBron had s- smacked that down, but it was like, until I hear anything, I don't want to say it's definitely going to be this, because even though it seemed like it came from a good source, it's also, until it's official official, you can't really say it's official. But right. I think that teams have to plan for 81.5 right now. If it just stays at 81.5, especially with this sh- temporary or maybe more permanent shutdown i think 81.5 you're looking at that as a really good number honestly like 81.5 is the bruins aren't in a bad position there that gives them about 20 million going into the uh into the off season now the catch is of course uh they have four ufas well five if you want to count kevin miller but like you don't count corpses so Nordstrom, okay, not relevant. He's going to walk or cost less than a million to resign. And let's face it, they're going to let him walk. They have ample players that can play fourth line left wing. Krug, of course, Chara, of course, and Halak. On top of that, they have RFAs. We have three at the NHL level right now in Bjork, DeBrusque, Grizzlick. There's also Kuhlman and uh, Kuhlman, Sinitian, and Zaboral, but they're all different issues. Mm-hmm. Right? And would all be cost nothing. So, okay, that sounds like a lot. And at twenty million, I'm trying to fill those holes with twenty million. Maybe that is a lot, but is it not as much as it seems like, right? Because you assume, okay, Miller's gone or play or signs for like for under for for league men. Let's face it, they're not gonna if if Sweeney offers him more than league men, he's insane. And frankly, and no one's gonna give give Miller more than that anyway. Again, I don't really think he should resign, even can even entertain resigning Miller because I don't think he's ever going to be. He's not likely to be an effective player ever again because he hasn't played in over a fucking year. <laughs> it almost makes me wonder if they would let him see what what's out there in free agency, and if there's nothing for him in free agency, invite him to camp and then maybe give him something. If he if he doesn't embarrass himself, give get get, get some money out of it, <laughs> or even offer him something position within the team structure that it is not a player thing. Like, could you imagine having him as a strength and conditioning coach? Could you imagine having him as like a player development guy? Is he smart enough to do that? I don't know. I mean, like if he would just be a player development staff, like, so, you know, in this case, in this scenario, would be working under Langenbrunner and Kelly. You know, he's like, what, 32 now? He might actually have to look at the idea of like transitioning from player to something else. If he still wants to be around hockey, he can probably find a way to do that with the Bruins. I think the Bruins like to have former players stay in the fold wherever they can. 
Well, and here's the thing about that. Like he's, you know, he's done okay for himself. He hasn't had an amazing, like profitable career, but remember he came to the NHL by such an unconventional route. He did an extra year at, at uh, Berkshire school. So he did. So, so he basically stayed for an extra year beyond high school graduation, then did four years at, um, at UVM, not exactly a, you know, heralded program, regardless of the fact that it produced Tim Thomas and, and Marty St. Louis. <laughs> And then signs an AHL only contract for like a couple seasons before getting his first before getting his ELC. Uh, yeah, you know you got to figure if, with, the, with the amount of injury problems he's had, maybe maybe better for him to go take the fate because let's face it, he's been arguably more injury prone than freaking Adam McQuaid. It's just you know Adam McQuaid's injuries were either a combination of horrifying or just hilarious, like when he you know tripped over his fucking suitcase. <laughs> right, right. Well, no, I'm just saying like. I I think Kevin Miller needs to be smart about thinking what his future is beyond hockey. I know he's a hockey player. Of course he wants to play until he can't play anymore, but just saying he'd probably be a he'd probably be more entertaining than Charlie Moore outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you think he's going to have a hunting show? <laughs> My good pal Brad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Tim did say that like, you know, maybe maybe Donnie likes the the Martian Milko stuff. Yeah, maybe. He wants Miller to stay around. Together. Yeah. I'm curious as to how much money they make on that because they sell that in the pro shop. So Anyway, so okay, discounting Miller, talking 20 million for Chara Halak, Bjork, DeBrusque, Krug, Grizz. So that's three RFAs and three UFAs. What do you guys think happens here? Just like honestly, right now that we have, now that we probably have a number we're working with. All right. If I were Donnie, I'm not worrying about the RFAs right now. I'm just not. You know why? Because you know what he's done. You know what he did last year? He had a couple of really key RFAs. What did he do? He waited them out. Grizz is an RFA, but he's a different kind of RFA. He's though, an right? arbitration. He's 26, and he's 26. So. You can you be only offered, get a year at RFA rates. You got to pay mostly UFA rates for for Grizz. So that's a very frank conversation. <laughs> okay, Grizz is a different animal. That's true. You deal with that differently. Differently, but the other RFAs, I'm gonna wait them out. Fuck, Bjork's gonna cost less than a million. Bjork, I get. I bet signs for two years at a million to a million five, similar to Grizzlick's bridge bridge contract. I think that Grizz. I don't think he'll get to arbitration. They might set a date, but I think he'll handle it like he did with uh, Danton Heinen last year. He'll get it done before it goes to arbitration. I don't know what oh, the yeah. numbers are going to be because I'm not, I, I have not studied enough to know what the numbers should be. But if I, if, if I'm talking about like DeBrusque and Bjorg and who's the other one, is it Kuhlman and Lausanne? Um, well, Lausanne's already signed for two more years okay, now. Okay, okay, that's right. So, yeah, right. It, it, it's it's Grizz, Bjork, DeBrusque are the important ones, and then there's the AHL guys who are all easy. Okay, all right. So I'm not worrying about the AHL guys and DeBrusque and, and Bjork. I'm, I'm just pushing those back. Yeah, DeBrusque because... is a tricky one. Absolutely. Bjork's easy. Bjork's very easy in my opinion, but yeah, DeBrusque's tricky. Grizz is a different animal altogether because you got to approach that like a UFA conversation, even if you can't really talk to anyone else. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, when it comes to DeBrusque, it's like I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know what? You know, McAvoy took well under the money he should be getting for that, that three-year bridge deal, actually. Carlo took under the money he should be getting for that two-year 
but he waited. He he just was like, well, you know, we'll come to terms. And they both got back early in camp. Right. So and, and in, in some ways, it's like, I think it was even better for Carlo because Carlo came out like a beast. Right. Well, and well, that's just it. And Carlo's two year bridge is like, that's a really clever bridge to take on his part, to be perfectly honest, because like there's a lot of money coming off the books at the end of next season. Right. Right. And <laughs> and in the next season, he, they'll be negotiating his deal. Yeah. Uh, during the season, I would think. So Carlo's done a good job to prove what he's worth to this team. I think you need to have Jake really just put, put his nose to the grindstone and, and just show what he's worth. It's, well, that's the thing. Because you can basically go to Jake's like, Jake, we know what you can be. Mm-hmm. Fucking be it, please. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. With Jake DeBrusque, I think there's some conditioning stuff that he can do a little bit more of. Because quite frankly, when he gets around some of the other guys, when they're like in the beach locales, he looks flabby. I'm saying that about a, a hockey player. He looks a little flabby. Mm-hmm. Lay off the Oreos, buddy. Okay? You should drink water, not Coke. Just saying. <laughs> okay, so that leaves us with the three UFAs then. Again, Grizz is a tricky one. We got to circle back. So you got to treat that like kind of a UFA. So Char is easy. The truth of the matter is, is that there's barely any money to pay Char. I can't imagine he doesn't take whatever he's offered at this point. Yeah. If he wants to play, yeah. Right, he doesn't want to play anywhere else. I can't imagine he would. No. He's 43. He either, my, my, my guess is he either resigns with Boston or retires. I can't imagine there's anything else, any other scenario there. Yeah, he's not going to be like the traitor is Tom Brady. So. <laughs> hey, Tom Brady's a saint. <laughs> no, he's a buck. It's even worse. <laughs> no, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so you know curiously i just want to point this out drew Brees signed a, a contract with nbc sports for after his career is over like preemptively yes i didn't know you could do that he did that because non-league a non-league entity i think is part of why right yeah yeah but i've never heard of a player doing that and so now we know that he can He's looking to probably replace Chris Collinsworth on the Sunday night broadcast. That's what they're looking at him for. And I, I'm kind of sad about it because I can't stand Drew Brees. Uh, I can't either. stand Collinsworth either. And I feel bad that uh, Mike Tirico is going to be saddled with that. So because I, I, Al Michaels has to retire soon. Come on. Yeah. So that, that's, that's an interesting thing uh, related to the Saints. But anyway, going on. Krug, 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 Krug. Let's wrap him up, but I don't want him for six years. How about five? I don't think you get him for less than six. It's seven or eight that I don't want. All right. All right. Well, you know what? Interestingly enough, we did talk about this last night. We talked about hockey, believe it or not, on the Zoom chat. I'm. That's why I'm so sad you weren't there, man. I'm just going to say there's a couple of times I've tried to talk hockey and that did not shake out in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> No, nope. um, we started talking about the Tory Krug situation. So I laid out all the knowledge that I knew. Boom. I felt like really important and shit. <laughs> and that's when I laid out my plan. I'm like, Jake DeBrusque, Anders Bjork, not worrying about them, put, pushing them well down the road in, in the contract negotiation thing right now. I'm like, I'm worried about Krug. 
And I said, I think it's coming down to term right now. I think he wants longer term than they want to give him. And he's 29 years old. So I, you don't want to give him a huge amount of term. I genuinely think he'd willingly sign for six five for six point five as long as it was long enough a oh, long enough term. And we also talked about the idea of respect in the in the terms of contract. So I think Adam had pointed out that he had heard that Krug wanted eight per year, and that he didn't think it was possible and maybe not a good idea to have someone who signed for more than Patrice Bergeron. Now we know that two people already are signed for more than Patrice Bergeron. Tuka Rask right. and David Krejci, right? Their contracts are also res- uh, expiring before Bergeron's. But only a year before Bergeron's. Right. So we were talking about that and I said, look, you know what? This is the way I look at respect. You can look at respect as being paid what you're, what you think you're worth. Okay. Or you can look at respect as being able to do your job with all of the tools and the items that you need to do your job. In the hockey hockey world, the tools that you need to do your job are your fellow players. Not that I'm saying that players are tools like in that way. I'm saying that they they help you do your job. So you can do your job at a higher level when you have better players around you. So it's like if you take all if you take too much money, you don't have the pieces around you to do a good job. Well, how is that actually showing any respect? Well, there's the thing. Everyone says, like, oh, if he goes to free agency, better believe he's going to get a good look. He's going to take a good look at his hometown team in Detroit. I'm like, really? Like, Detroit, here's the thing about Detroit. They were that bad this year. And if you look at their cap, at, at their, uh, cap page, they're not going to be good for at least three fucking years. Because they have too many contracts that are stuck with. The Abdulkader, Helm, Nielsen. Like, that's a lot of fucking dead weight. <laughs> Could you imagine sitting there at $8 million per year on a, like, let's say a, a seven-year contract, right? Having to wait for three years before you got anything decent around you? And then it's not like you're going to win right then and there. You're going to have to build up to being a winning team. I have joked mm-hmm. about them being the Stanley Cup winner next season because, well, they'll be the most rested. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't honestly believe that, but it, I can't see him going back to Detroit to go play for a team that is going to suck. There are other teams that could very possibly want Krug's talents, right? Any team that can afford it would want Krug's talents. Right, right. So it's a matter of what good teams can afford him. Well, that's just it. And of the ones that could afford him, would they need to sign another defenseman? Like Carolina could probably come up with the could come up with the with the with the funds, but they don't need to sign another puck moving defenseman. I I think that Tory Krug likes it here, but you shouldn't you shouldn't undersell him on a contract. Maybe is it worth offering him a seven year deal if the idea is that maybe maybe you do just do something to rid yourself of that contract in, in year seven if it's not working out. I don't know. Well, and again, like the big thing is, we've talked about this before. It's like we 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 know the expiration dates on the the Bergeron and Mar and and Chara year and Chara time. It, it, there's a certain element of you know knowing your 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 successor leadership group. 
I mean, obviously you got Brad and Char, you got Marshawn and Coyle, who are you know almost certainly earmarked for um, um for 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 uh, at least a at least um um uh, alternate for wearing the A after after the leadership overturn, right? Captain Brad, Captain Brad, Captain Brad, Captain Brad. <laughs> I would adore Captain Brad because it would just drive everyone insane. But <laughs> on the flip Williams side, Justin Williams will retire again. <laughs> But on the flip side, oh, think about that if Brad's the one who's supposed to be talking to the refs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that alone would be worth it. Um, but what I'm getting at is, like, maybe you you promise Krug the post-Bergeron captaincy. You have to have that conversation with Brad, but I don't really think he'd be that cheesed about it, you know? <laughs> Captain Brad, Captain Brad. <laughs> I mean, that would, I honestly would love it, but I will cheerfully trade that to keep Krug. No, I just, I just think it's a hilarious concept. I'm not sure I even want to see it. I just, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know. As I said, I mean, like, I, I do everything I can. You know, even if you have to give him a, give him a full NMC for the duration, load it the fuck up with bonuses. Promise the cap, promising the captaincy. Like, do what you can to get that to a six-year contract without breaking the bank. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, so with twenty million. So let's just assume. Let's. Uh, well, what do we want to par- park a number here on, on on Krug for this one? What do you think? What do, where do you think it falls out? Let's just say seven for now. Tim. Yeah, I think he ends up signing like seven years. Yeah, I'd say seven in like. Seven, yeah, we'll say seven and seven. Okay, well, I'm not even concerned about the years. I'm just start worried about the money next year. So uh, I'm just saying seven. Yeah, for the for the number. Yeah. Okay, moving on. So next UFA, we'll assume we'll we'll let's just assume stasis. Another two million base hit for Chara. Okay, uh, but what about bonuses? Because we do have to think about those, don't we? They they do count because he's thirty five plus. Well, that's just it, and there is. Well, only if they write them in, right? I mean, but what, what, what were his bonuses this year? Did he hit them or no? I think he was. I think he hit part of them. You can look it up on t- one. I, I was already blowing it up when I was saying it. Yeah, one and a quarter for ten games. Two hundred fifty thousand for qualifying for the playoffs. Two hundred fifty thousand for the cup. Okay, so he's gotten a million five in bonuses. The Bruins have the cap hit now to absorb that, or no? No, they do not. So. So they're gonna. That's gonna have some effect next year. That's not currently mathed in on uh, cap friendly. Up to potentially two point five million in bonuses uh, in bonus overages this year. I think a bunch of the rest is debrusque mainly. Bjork was probably eligible, but I doubt he hit any of his triggers. The problem is, is finding the triggers for on ELCs is almost impossible. Cap friendly doesn't tend to have them. So Kevin Miller's uh, LTIR. So right now, Boston's projected to have six hundred and sixty-nine and a half thousand dollars final cap space. So that'll take out of some of that. That's that's accounting for the LTIR because our projected projected cap hit is one hundred fifty thousand over the actual limit right now for this season. Okay. So the final cap space, the six hundred sixty-nine, will be subtracted from that um, uh, from whatever the actual bonus hits are. And again, we don't know the final yet. There's just a potential for up to two and a half million. Okay. So. It'll be up to 1.9 that can spill over. Okay. So, I don't like the idea of being in overage territory, especially after the whole Iggy thing, and it took a while to unbury ourselves from that. Well, I have, but um, it's, it's only a little bit, right? 
Anyway, leave that be. But then also that. But then here's the thing: is there's very few. There's basically no e, no bonuses besides whatever are structured into chars that'll spill over the next year because there's going to be no one on ELCs on the uh, team next season. Mm. Well, under current roster, let's face it, Studnica is making the team in the fall. <laughs> True. So okay, so we'll assume just 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 we'll keep it as in some we'll, we'll we'll take a million off that twenty. So we'll work with we'll work with with nineteen as our target. So okay, seven Krug. Two million for Charak, and we're just going to call it what he has now. I think he signs for less, but whatever. The other UFA of relevance, Halak or backup goaltender. I don't know what Sweeney does here. Well, the thing with Vladash is he had a fantastic year. It just, it was just a, such a small sample that it's hard to tell. Like, is this who he is? Like, he was really good in this small sample, or is this this is who he's going to be? He started the year really tough, and then like the first three games he had were kind of bad, and then he got hurt for a couple games, and then after that he was insanely good. So, and I'm looking at his numbers. This was his fourth pro season. Last year's the only year that his Providence numbers were bad, but last year was also his first full season in Providence. But his first two pro seasons, he played very little in, in, in Providence. He played mostly in Atlanta, right? In 16-17, um, uh, he had eight AHL games, but he had a 9-2-1 uh, save percentage. And then in 17-18, sure. he only played four Providence games, but at a 9-2-4. So honestly, this year, while higher than both those numbers, is closer to his at least typical season numbers, even if those other ones are really statistically irrelevant because it's 12 combined games over two seasons. And, well, let's face it, his ECHL numbers have never been good. So I don't know. It's really hard to say what he is. Yeah, part of me wants to give him a little more time because you have to think next year that Lagasse's probably gone. Yep. Uh, well, well yeah, there's too many, you got too many prospect signs to be able to accommodate an a AHL-only goaltender. Exactly. So you're probably starting out I would rather start the year out in Providence with Vladar, Vladar and um, Swayman than having Vladar be up in Boston, I think. All right, so then we need to sign a sign, uh, backup up here. Part of the problem is this, like, this is ideal for Halak, but do they get Halak for under the uh, under what they're paying him now? What is it, 275 now? Yes. I think he's being paid pretty fairly for what he's being asked to do. There is also the factor of we need a goaltender that actually meets the exposure requirements in a year, mm. which means under contract, played a certain number of games. Rask won't be that player because he'll be on an expiring contract. So Ooh, that's the main reason I think Boston, they, they, they sign a backup, whether it's re-signing Halak or find someone else that can be a serviceable 1B. And that's critical, I think, because it's Rask is definitely a games-played goalie. And I'm just going to bring up the list of free agent goaltenders just to see to get a feel for what's out there because that may matter. Okay, so I got the list. Okay. There's not a lot of guys who are promising as as one B's on the list. Mm, okay. Who's the most promising? Halak. All right. Well, I think that answers the an- the question, huh? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are other okay options. Um, of course, there's Dobby. Oh, Dobby. Dobby three, the Dobbining, yeah. <laughs> um there's thomas grice he's 34 he's actually younger than than than, than halak is he's been a career 1b he's good at it but he's very boomer bust he has good seasons and bad right 
Right. Uh, then there's other guys that have been great 1Bs in the past, but like I wouldn't throw money at them. Brian Elliott jumps off the page in that regard. <laughs> I don't think I want to make that gamble. I think I, I'm pretty confident that Elliott's washed at this point. He's been for a couple of years. Let's just be honest. Well, that's just it. Yeah, people keep hoping he'll be what he was in St. Louis again. It just doesn't look like it's happening. Dobby's had a 930 save percentage this season. I don't think he's going to be cheaper than Halak. Nope. He already wasn't cheaper than Halak. Yes, he was. He was 250. He's a 2.5. It's just that Sweeney figured that he would get more from Halak at slightly more money than he was going to get for Dobby at that price point. Honestly, as good as the Halak signing was, that's a bit of a misjudgment on Sweeney's part. Let's be perfectly honest here. <laughs> well, okay. I have no complaints about his, about the decision-making process, but ultimately the uh, difference between Halak and Dobby weighs overall the, their respective deals signed the same day for the same term. Probably makes the Dobby one somewhat better. But anyway, yeah, like there's other guys who are interesting on here. Like I was saying to Tim, uh, Corey Crawford's a UFA. He'd probably be a decent one B, assuming he doesn't retire or resign in uh, or resign in Chicago. He remember he also has concussion and vertigo issues. So well, this is why I wouldn't want him as a starter. Well, I I just worry about him. That's all. <laughs> that's very fair. He had a nine seventeen and forty games this season on a on a really not good Chicago team. So it's like okay, that's not bad. That team is one more than they should, but they're bad. Oh yeah. And like yes, where you guys got like you got guys like Robin Lanner, but like Lanner's gonna cost more. Lanner's gonna want to be a starter somewhere, and there are teams that need starters. <laughs> and then like okay, like Holtby's gonna get overpaid to fail somewhere. Thank God. Craig Anderson's done. Jimmy Howard's done. Jacob Markstrom is gonna want to be a starter somewhere. He's probably staying in Vancouver. Don't want Talbot. Don't want Smith. Don't want Elliot. And then once you fall further down the list than that, you're just like, there are a lot of who's or ah! <laughs> All right. So, okay, I was really trying to come up with a way of Boston not re-signing Halak. Basically, I think the only way it happens is if they, they decide they're going to roll the dice with Ladash, and I don't think they're going to do that. I don't either. Nope. All right, so that gives us about $7.25 million left. What did we decide to assume we're signing uh, Halak for? Well, I'm just putting him down at 2.75. No raise, but no no decrease. And if they sign him, it'll be two years again because the um, uh, expansion issue. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, there you go. I, I'm look. I'm locking him in at that. I don't think they're going to give him more, and I think to offer him less might be less than ideal. Yeah. If you want to retain him. Okay. So, two point seven five left for Grizz and the three RFAs, or sorry, seven point two five, whatever you said. Seven point two five. This is the first time I'm actually seeing it, and there is no way they sign, they re-sign Krug and keep Grizz, isn't is there? Not if you want to give Grizz more than like three million a year. Well, even on a bridge, I don't think they get to brush for less than three five. And we're at the stage where we have to start talking RFA numbers to be able to math this one out. A DeBrusque bridge is like two years at three point five, something like that, probably. And that's still a bargain with it, based on his goal scoring, even though you know. Or it could be. Hey, we're t- we're a week into camp and he signs for whatever. <laughs> hey, um, a truckload of Oreos sold. <laughs> Again, Bjork signs for a million or less, whatever. Not for, not a big deal. So, okay, so say we say okay, we'll write off a million for Bjork. Got to subtract out the the 
eight hundred or whatever it is for Studnica for the the just under eight hundred for Studnica's hit because Studnica will be on the big team next year, right? So basically, so that's about one point. So that's one point eight off of that. So we're at six and a quarter, five round four? five and a half. Yeah, yeah five point four for Grizz and DeBrusque. Does that get it done? Actually, that might. They could. It like, could. I th- like I think Grizz is probably looking at like a. A two point five or two point seven five, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you can do that if I'm right about a three and a half for uh, two years for DeBrusque Bridge deal. But that's tight on this dingy side. I think that's an optimistic number. Mm. Of course, something that would really help and save a lot of this. And we can't factor this in because we don't know if it's going to happen. Is um, John Moore going bye bye? You know, Tim, that's great. I was trying to think. Okay, how do I do the segue? How do I do the segue? But you got it. Compliance <laughs> buyouts. Yes. So there's been talk from multiple venues this week about the possibility of client of, of compliance buyouts. Uh, Jonathan Willis at the Athletic did a rundown of who we thought the most likely candidate on every team was. And there's been some talk in Boston media too. Uh, Connor Ryan did write something in his uh, NHL notes this weekend about uh, a possible candidate for that compliance buyout. I bet you it's the same person. Oh, certainly. Cause there's only one candidate on Boston's roster at this point. That would make any sense that wouldn't actively whose buyout would not just of cap space, but would in no way be a subtraction from the roster. John Moore. We need less of him, is what we're saying. Uh, yes. That frees up $2.75 million in cap space. That basically means that everything else that needs to happen gets done. And here's the ding, is how you subtract him out. Boston still have seven guys that are on one-way contracts next year. Actually, and, and then, like, you know, okay, you want an eighth defenseman. Well, there's still Erho. There's still Zaboral. And, of course, you know, Camper's on contract for another year for what that's worth. Poor Camper. Plus the signings of Nick Wolf and Jack and Jack Ashan, both of whom are, you know, pretty old for prospects because they're 23 and 22, respectfully. So, you know, there's, there's, there's subtracting more, I think, creates no problems. <laughs> It's addition by subtraction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, of course, as compliance buyouts, and of course, listeners, uh, compliance buyouts would be like they had after the last lockout. This would be a cap penalty-free buyout, so just cash. Why? Why are they talking about compliance buyouts? I, I'm very curious. I so teams were plan were not planning around a flat cap, right? Okay. All right. There we go. And which means that which means that, and this is extraordinary circumstances. Um, and a big part of why they're talking about it is how in rough certain teams, um, teams that the league would rather like not to have in rough would be um, Tampa, Tampa being a rather prominent example who currently are, have a projected cap hit of 76.16 repeating for 15 players next season. Wow. And that includes you having to pay uh, Anthony Sorelli, Mikhail Sergeyev, and Eric Cernak, none of whom will be terribly ex- will be, would be particularly inexpensive, with the possible exception of Cernak. Oh, plus they have three UFA defensemen. They have it because Tampa has three defensemen on contract for next season. 
<laughs> that sounds like a team to me. <laughs> Edmund McDonough and Braden Coburn. So excellent. Pretty damn good. And okay, so you're still here, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the sort of the thinking where, why this would happen. And again, this is sort of the consensus. Everyone's like right on John Moore because, again, there's no one else on this roster you buy out. Now, what Willis pointed out on, on The Athletic as his list, of course, is the most likely buyout candidates on all 31 teams is that there might be a sneaky benefit elsewhere in there for Boston. Oh. He ranked, well, he ranked David Backus as the most likely buyout candidate on the Ducks. Oh, that's right. Which uh, means that Boston would get out of that 1.5. They'd have to pay half of it, but whatever, fuck it. More than half. Uh, yeah, about half. Yeah. And cap hit would also go away. Ah, that frees up $1.5 in cap hit. It does. And part of the reason that would happen, uh, incidentally, um, why, why Willis thinks that, that Bacchus is the more likely scenario on the Ducks is because um, they can't buy out Ryan Kessler. You can't use compliance buyouts on an injured player. Nope, and he is long-term injury retired. Oh, oh yeah, he is, he is now the mayor of Robodas Island. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even pretending to be in Southern California. He is just back in Livonia. Just, just doing Ryan Kessler things, which I assume involves diving at the, um, uh, at the prospect of, of walking near someone. But yes. Well, we, we, we detailed what injury he had. It is very legit. It, he cannot play hockey anymore. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I still like to make fun of Ryan Kessler because, like, I mean, the tumbleweed Kessler gif was one of the best things ever. And the way in the diversity of ways he got reapplied was wonderful, too. You know, I, I got to tell you, watching that 2011 cup run, you just realize how almost every player on the Canucks was a dink. And our players well, were just rough and tumble, and sure, we have our fair share of dinks too. But most of our dinky actions were because of their dinky actions. So and that fucking team had Kessler, Raffy, goddamn Torres, and Max Lapierre. Yep, like dinks upon dinks upon dinks, and then of course Aaron Rome did Aaron Rome things. Yeah, and then he got Aaron Roomed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember, like. The Canucks lost Hamhuis because he tried to low bridge Luch and instead broke his own back. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, trying to fall, throw illegal hits on Milan Lucic tends to break you because the exact same thing happened to Alexi Emelin too. Get <laughs> a knee on knee and ended up ruining ended up ended up ending his own season. <laughs> oh God! Is he even playing anymore? Probably in Russia. Okay, because I think the last time I heard of him, he had been with the Preds. I was like, Ugh, really? Yeah, he was in the Preds after expansion, right? Yep. And I haven't thought about him in a very long time. So there you go. All right. So there are possibilities that Don Sweeney can use to, to kind of get out of this cap jail situation. I find it really interesting that the compliance buyout comes in, excuse me, because so many of the good teams who have spent so much money need an out. <laughs> well it's, it's a very interesting thing and again this is uh, this really just sort of sings to the, the the cleverness of Sweeney on this like his cap management is I mean he's high, he's yes he signed about a bone a bonehead contract a year with the exception of last the offseason right so okay damn it but overall he's done very good work here 
and his trading for two for, for two guys with a year term at low dollar and RFAs at the end is absolutely fucking inspired. It looked smart then. It looks even smarter now. All right. So this is definitely something, a conversation that we can continue to carry on as we get more information. I really just hope, I hope to God that Sweeney and, and, and Trug, let's try that again. Sweeney and Krug's parties are talking right now. This is the time to do it. We need some movement on this. Assume the cap is flat and then work from there. And I'll be I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be heartbroken if we didn't have John Moore next season. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Yep. I, I just, 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 just not a reason to have him around anymore. It was a fine idea. It just didn't work. And it's okay. Oh. There was other, one other bit of Bruins news this week, um, sort of. The P. Bruins signed two undrafted free agents out of the Canadian Junior Leagues. Defen- uh, defenseman uh, Brady Lyle, six, six foot three defenseman out of the OHL, just finished a season with 22 goals and 65 points in 62 games for the Owen Sound Attack. Keeping in mind he's 20 playing against 16-year-olds. That's still pretty all right for a defenseman. And it's only an AHL contract. He's playing next year in the uh, in, in, in Atlanta or wherever Boston's ECHL affiliate is next year because the Atlanta agreement has expired and Boston does not seem to have a new one lined up yet. So he'll be sort of like Sam Asselin in that regard, signed to essentially be in in and end and Olivia Gallipo before him. People that were signed to, 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 to play in, in, in the ECHL and see what they do. They're not going to be your... Uh, your Cooper Zek, who was, you know, signed to an AHL contract and has not played and has played pretty much exclusively in Providence, correct, Tim? Yes. Okay. Um, the other one, um, this one's interesting, is um, uh, is uh, Alex Olivier Voyer, who plays for who played uh, for the, uh, the the Sherbrooke Phoenix in in the queue this season. That's uh, so forty four go- goals and eighty eight points in sixty eight in sixty three games. That ain't bad. Now, Voye, interestingly, was uh, when um, in when Corey Pronman at the Athletic ranked his uh, top free agents from college hockey, major junior in Europe, and this is a list that included guys that could conceivably pull the NCAA loophole, so weren't really free agents, and that accounts for a significant portion of the guys that were ranked higher than Voye at twenty. Okay. Because like the, that top twenty included guys like Scott Perunovic, who ended up signing, who, who ended up signing with with the Blues, and others that have already signed as well. That's not bad. Incidentally, one of the players ranked higher on on, on Promise list was Jack Ashan. So like, you know, good work, Sweeney. <laughs> or in this case, I guess that would actually be um, uh, it's JFJ or um, uh, or, or or Bradley, the uh, the GM for Providence right now. I think it's John Ferguson Jr. Okay, good work, good work, Ferguson. Then, um, yay! Yeah, not bad. Getson again. They're just AHL contracts, so whatever. They look good. They get signed to a proper ELCs. You know, the Kevin Miller or and Connor Clifton story arcs, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's good. I love it when you say it's a twenty-year-old playing against sixteen-year-olds. <laughs> I mean, that's a very relevant point. I mean, look at freaking Cedric Perret this year, who incidentally is one of the guys listed higher on the list than Voyer. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you're right. I just, I I don't know what it is about that that just, it, it, it makes me giggle a little bit. That's all. 
it's 20 well, year olds playing not all those 16 year olds have gone through their growth spurts yet <laughs> no <laughs> i can't tell you why i think it's funny and and it's a salient point yes but i i just i'm like i just every time you say it i just i guess maybe i do picture the kids uh, the, the kids that are 16 and younger is like tiny going against a big guy <laughs> This isn't Chara playing against Timbits. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay, so we have a question of the week. We're kind of running low on our questions of the week, guys. We're going to have to put out Seriously, another appeal. Some more, some more questions, folks. I know. So this one comes from Adam Ramage again. I hope that... Okay, we did do the one, the favorite ones that didn't lead to a cup win. Okay, so we did that. Yeah. The second part of his question was, has hockey led to any improvements in your life outside of just being a fan? Okay, let's start off with the fact of the matter is being a sports fan is a deliberate choice to ruin your own life. <laughs> so, 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 so let's just, just lead off with the, the, the central premise of this question is suspect. So, so basically you're saying that we're masochists. That's, that's great. I mean, that's what sports fandom is. Uh, okay. All right. Well... <laughs> Well, now again, like um, I mean, like, look, Steve Dangle's entire thing is is, is hyperbole, but his book is titled "This Team Is Ruining My Life." <laughs> well, it's because he's a ha- uh, he's a Leafs fan, so yeah, <laughs> you know, you have choices in your life, and that's a choice that you can make. That is a decision. There is entirely made. another team in Ontario. Oh wait. <laughs> How about being a fan of some other team? There is allegedly another NHL team in Ontario to choose from. <laughs> That's true. Allegedly. Or you could be like Tim. You could root for some random team that you just like for some reason. What? The Bucks, Tim! The Bucks! That's not... But that's not that random. There's a story behind it. I mean, it's less random. Than his, it's less random than his uh, than a him having a CHL team and b it being the fucking Red Blacks. <laughs> Hell yeah, C- CFL rather. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's Canadian football and it's the Ottawa team. <laughs> right, right. So that's Tim's favorite Canadian football team. What? I I, I lost the thread on this conversation. Um, yeah. It, it, point is, they, they basically like came back. Okay, fine. I'm just saying, you can pick any team that you want. You can pick any team to be a fan of. It's fine. But he chose the the Leafs, and good for him. He's made a career out of being a Leafs fan, so whatever. Just don't whine when they lose to the Bruins again. Fuck you. Okay. I'm going to point out the very obvious thing about improvements in my life that have come about from being a hockey fan. And I know you people for your, your improvements in my life. Right. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) I've made a lot of interesting friends who we all, as we learned last night, we all like to, um, to rag on each other and it's fun because you know what? To be a hockey fan is to chirp each other. It really is. You know, um, uh, being a hockey fan is not for the the super sensitive, okay? 
That's very true. Because A, you have to deal with the fact that, especially if you're a Bruins fan, you have to deal with, with a with the ability to get ragged on by every other fan base. I went through Canada wearing a Bruins shirt and I got a lot of glares and looks and whatever. And I'm like, dude, I want your team to win when they're not playing my team. It's fine. I don't have any problem with your team. I didn't say that in Toronto because I really wasn't in Toronto. Keep in mind, most of them, with the exceptions, the Habs fans are. Pro- are in, in, if you're, if, if they're, um, uh, if they came down to a, a Stanley Cup final between a Canadian team and Boston, despite what the Canadian media will say, there is no rallying around the last Canadian team because they all hate each other so fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the Jets, in which case, no one cares. Oh, poor Jets. <laughs> or and increasingly the Senators. And maybe you go west. No one cares about the senators. It's just my hockey exposure is in eastern, Can- eastern and central Canada, where the senators are at least pseudo relevant. <laughs> right, right. So, so obviously, improvements in our lives are are meeting people who have similar interests. We we made this podcast. We launched this podcast during the doldrums, the scum of the earth, bottom of the barrel time to be a Boston fan of the last five, of the last 10 years, too. And we tried to keep our optimism going. <laughs> and it did. It did. But, I, I'm, you know, it was it was a rough go for a couple of seasons because we'd get all excited and then they would just collapse. So, yes. Yeah, so the obvious thing is we've made friends with other people like actual friends. We've actually all met. We have hung out with each other. We we chirp each other all the time. I we we I talked well. We talked to other friends of ours on Saturday nights on Zoom during this time of social distancing. So we talk to each other online all the time. We just you know there are obvious friends and and relationships that we've made through hockey, through being fans of a team, uh, the same team. And sometimes you know what we are friends with people who are fans of other teams. And that's good too, right? I mean, not, not, well, okay, I can't come to say not all these fans suck. I just, I I can't go there. But not all fans of other teams suck. The thing about Leafs fans, I don't know, maybe I've talked about this before, I just don't understand is how could a team that's been so fecklessly bad for so long have a fan base that seems to feel entitled to anything. You think that would cause some sort of humility amongst them, and yet there it, yet there it isn't. <laughs> I think a lot of times these tend to be in, like, the biggest cities in respective places, because this is like a Jets thing, too, although Jets fans, I think, now have finally come to terms with, like, oh, God, we have sucked for a long time. It's like Jets fans. There's a fucking better team playing in the goddamn same stadium as your team. Like, just just, just become Giants fans. It'll be at least marginally more rewarding. <laughs> the Jets won one Super Bowl, and the Giants have won four since then. Right? So, <laughs> it, it, so it's like it's one of those things where I, I think it tends to happen in in the big cities. Toronto is a huge city in Canada, right? Is it the largest mm-hmm. city in Canada? Yes, it is by a significant margin. Montreal and Vancouver both trail it by by sizable gaps. Okay, so so Toronto is like the New York of Canada, right? It, there's just a specific mindset that you have, so you obviously think that your team is the best. See, it's a funny thing though. Like I could get the sense of I get the sense of entitlement with Habs fans. It's misguided, but I understand it. They've won a lot. 
I mean, they're coming up on 30 years, but still. <laughs> if the Habs got a GM who knew what he was doing. Instead of just like sitting in his office doing curls all the time, which is clearly how Bergevin spends his time. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think if they just got away from the idea of just having a head coach who spoke French um, and just got a, a really good coach who is a little more modern in his thinking and if they actually put players on the ice who could fucking play. That's their thing this year. Like, honestly, like, that's a bad team is built. Yep. Their underlines this year, their underlines this year with Claude are phenomenal. Like, Claude should probably be a Jack Adams finalist this season for what, for, for what he did with the garbage personnel he has. But it's not going to happen because they're missing the playoffs. Bergevin even said that his team is awful. He has no talent on his team. You're the dude who put it together. I was going to say, if, uh, there's the thing. A GM says this, if they didn't just start the job, should be fired on the spot by any ownership with a brain. Hasn't <laughs> he been trying to get fired for a long time now? <laughs> Honestly, it's been performance art since the Subban trade. Sure, in the long run, they somehow won that one. But like... <laughs> <laughs> but that's some fucking long game stuff there, Bershevin. And you didn't think it was going to play out that way either. <laughs> You know, other improvements. What what other improvements have we had in our lives since for hockey? Well, the team is really fun to watch. It, it, it is. It's gotten a lot better since those lean years. I mean, I wasn't around for the really, really lean years, obviously, of the 90s and stuff. But neither was I, right? Or so. the <laughs> early aughts, we'll say. But, but uh, you know, we had a couple of lean years here after being used to winning so much and being the dead clothed, the dead clothed walking years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so basically I, I got to tell you more so than maybe in any other sport, it's delightful to see young guys come up through the system and then become who they are. Like David Pasternak, we have said this. Did anybody really expect David Pasternak to be this? Not at least until the onset of of that first development camp. And even then, no one expected this. I mean, I saw him play in Providence, and I will assert that he didn't look like the other players playing in Providence. He, you could tell that he was going to be an NHL Different. player. Yeah. Yes, yes, you could tell. At a time where the red, where the other players in, in Providence were, let's face it, not going to be NHL players. Right. Those were some dark. Those were those were some dark times in the prospect pool. Prospect pool. <laughs> right. So. You know, so it's really fun to watch that, I think, than in any other league, because in, in football, it's just like, there's always this um, challenge to prove that you're a man right away, right? You know, and you don't really get to see the true development of a player as you do like in in, in hockey, because in hockey, it's like, okay, that person might start off in the fourth line, or well, Pasta started up pretty, pretty high up, but that's because he's a, a special player, but I still didn't expect him to be at 48 goals. By the way, Tonight on Nesson at 8 o'clock, they're going to show just an hour of Pasta's goals this year. There's enough of them to actually fill an hour, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun to to watch that again. And it's it's been harder for me to watch the older, you know, the, the cup run thing, because I'm not as invested in that team as I am in this team. You know, I think that's what it is. But, you know... I, those are just some of the, the improvements that I can see in in my life because of hockey. It's like, I'm a little bit older 
as a as a fan and I just look at them as all these like all the little cubs. I love watching the cubs come up. I've got good to great friendships with people because of hockey. I'm lucky and blessed enough to be able to go to a few games a year, so that's always fun. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, we I both was, jumped in here and there all through the place. I think we're all saying basically the same things. <laughs> the only the only thing I would argue about development in sports is baseball. You have so many different levels of minor league that it's similar to that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm talking about the whole idea of like seeing a player come up into the NHL is, is it's, it's a lot. It's very exciting. And then you find that you have attachments to players that you, you don't understand. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a fun sport to be able to do that with, you know, but mostly it's, it's friendships. We've, we've, uh, I've become friends with a lot of people. I actually am more friendly with hockey people than I am with football people. It seemed like uh, Glenn and I, even though everybody can talk about football around here, it seems like Glenn and I are always in our little bubble with with football, you know. And maybe we're in a little bit of a bubble with the, the hockey stuff because we do talk about it, but mostly with our friends, you know, not with just about anybody. So there you go. There's your, your question answered this week. Okay. All right. So am I doing the thing? Yeah, I just want to mention one more thing. Any was anybody surprised by David Pasternak having a treat race with his dog? No. Not even a little bit. No, it just seemed like a Thursday to me. That's that's just Thursday. It's what we do. I mean, considering Pasternak's already conspicuously insane, do you really think? Oh, that's more or less what I'd expect a psychotic, you know, um, uh, seclusion-related break to to it to look like. <laughs> even judging it that way i'm just thinking like pasta is pretty wacky he just does what pasta things right so there you go i guess the, the, the real story there is that his girlfriend's bored enough to film it <laughs> <laughs> i think look look if his girlfriend realizes how special he is and that he is just like quirky and funny and just adorable of course she's gonna film that she she knows him she realizes who he is and if he if she accepts him for all of that because you know some people want really serious people and some people want fun wacky people if she appreciates him marry him there you go i think filming it and getting a kick out of it and posting it that's that's a good thing all right now you can do the thing jeff Okay, so listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you like what you've heard, rate us a few stars, write a review, tell your friends. I don't know. I imagine billboards are cheap right now, so you can do that too if you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter. That would be uh, at Barely on Topic, or on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. And then, of course, our um, uh, our individual Twitter accounts where you can get such trenchant analysis about how Ber- how Marshan almost certainly sings somewhere out there, out his window at night, hoping Bergy is singing along. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at Winnie is my favorite Bruins dog dot com. Also known as at VA from R.I. Tim? 
Please stay home and still wash your hands. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, don't go to these fucking protests. Don't be one of them. And, and actually, <laughs> don't pay attention to the protests. That's just dumb people doing dumb things. 